Hello, and welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown. I am your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your other host, Soli Hommel. And we're going to take you through 31 scary movies through the month of October, like we do every year. But for the first time this year, we're going to do it entirely in audio format. We like to mix it up every year. One thing you need to be aware of is that we will be employing a truly ghoulish number of spoilers throughout all of these reviews. So if you haven't seen the movie we're reviewing, maybe don't listen to our podcast until you do. We highly recommend you check them out and watch along with us. It's going to be fun for everybody. I mean, how could it not be? So if you're ready and you've watched the movie, please step inside our lair and let's begin. So Blood Hunters is a 2016 movie that we watched on Hulu. It is rated TVMA, which is always a good sign. Sounds like a sci-fi original to me. Oh, those are the best. And it has a 90-minute running time. IMDb gives it a 4.1. That's not great. And the Rotten Tomato critics give it a 36, while the audience gives it a 42. That's like the most consistent grouping of ratings that we've had so far, I think. I think you're right. That's That's interesting. Right across the board. Basically, this is the story of a scientific slash theological experiment um, that's happening in an underground bunker that goes terribly wrong after they've like discovered the what they call the cure for death that's pretty good cure actually it seems like i mean other than the side effects a, the main one of which happens to be the death of everyone on the planet like well eventually i guess <laughs> Yeah, so Bloodhunters, scary movie. Why did you pick it? That's fun. I have a reason this time, which is great. Uh, This movie was listed. The description for it just said something along the lines of a woman wakes up in an abandoned hospital or something like that, finding that she's nine months pregnant. And I'm like, okay, that's interesting. In previous years, we came across tons of movies about pregnant women in our horror movies. Yeah, we made an actual tag for pregnant Uh you know pregnancy because it happens so often and and i was realizing we haven't seen that here so i'm like we got to get one of those in then the the title of the movie is blood hunters which right there is like what does that have to do with a woman waking up pregnant in a hospital that's weird and then the the image for the cover of the movie is like um it's a monster just full face of a monster kind of looks like the predator it's a skull face guy with fangs and stuff and i'm like Okay, how does that relate in any way? It's like, it looks like a movie where monsters like that are hunting you through the forest. And the title sounds like it, Blood Hunters. Yeah, I have to find out what's the connection here between what's what it's describing and what it's showing. What's going on? So basically, this was the clickbait of choices. Yeah, I got clickbaited. Nice. nice. Okay. Uh, so if we start with, at the start of this movie, first line, first shot. Yeah. Um, the first shot isn't interesting one we start out right away watching someone cook up some heroin in a spoon yeah we sure do like it just starts hardcore (laughs) a few i don't know a little while later it goes on a little bit um, as as this person finishes their cooking experiment and administers the drug and stumbles around the room a little bit out into the sidewalk where the first line is Somebody help me, please. 
At least subtitles said that was the first line. I didn't actually hear anybody say that. Yeah. But it could have. I wasn't listening closely enough, I think. So anyway, she's calling for help because she's like ODing on the sidewalk and everyone's just kind of like, ew, walking around her and she falls down and that's the beginning of the movie. Yeah, and it just jumps from there into the hospital where she wakes up. And and then one of my notes is that the movie is really nonstop action. Like, basically, she wakes up and from there to the end, it's all... I'm not saying it's intense action. I'm just saying the story never lets up. It just keeps going and going without any time off. So you're defending yourself because I gave you a... A look. Look, yes. And that look comes from the fact that for like the first 15 minutes of the movie, <laughs> that's yeah. She's it's literally her just stumbling around in the dark, breathing heavy and going, "Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god," <laughs> and finding a bunch of dead bodies and like, okay, so the first few minutes of that was a little scary and was setting yeah. the environment and the mood and whatnot. And then it's like, okay, well, now we're not getting anything new from this. Yeah, it was it's a, time. too much of that for sure. It was so much too much of that. But it was, if it hadn't been for 10 minutes straight, it was tension building. <laughs> it's yeah. just that it built the tension up and then just stayed there for a long time. So another thing that happened right at the beginning there, you know, you said she wakes up, she finds herself nine months pregnant. That set the movie up for me in a way where I was like, ooh, this, this could be exciting. Mm-hmm. Because it's always fun to have somebody wake up not entirely sure where they are and say why am i pregnant while seeing paperwork that says that they're there for an immediate cesarean like that's such a juxtaposition it's not like something could have happened this isn't even just a matter of a day or two right like clearly she's been unaware of her surroundings for a lengthy period of time and that's That's always good mystery yeah and they didn't They didn't really explain that. Like they said, I I guess we're going to jump way ahead. Spoilers here that she she died and they brought her back to life. And they said all the women we bring back come back pregnant. I don't know if they come back like fully pregnant or if she'd actually been laying there for nine months. That's that's a valid point. Because maybe she just came back to life like 10 minutes before that. Very pregnant. Could have been an instant pregnancy. Ooh, like the episode of Angel where Cordelia is pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. This is basically the same movie. (laughs) Well, she had paperwork that said immediate cesarean, which I was interested in. And then um, they're reading some paperwork later that includes the phrase entered cocoon phase. Yeah. And it struck me that that's, not really something you want to see written on your medical <laughs> records. Like, it's there's not nothing good. good that comes from the phrase entered cocoon phase. Yeah, I didn't spend much of this movie considering that she might have a human baby inside her. That's pretty much ready for something alien. Yeah. They spent a lot of time being very concerned about her pregnancy and whatever, yeah. you know. Oh, oh, is that medication good for the baby? And... Yeah, yeah, I spent a lot of time yelling at the screen. Like, it doesn't matter how much oxy she takes, that's not a real baby in there. Yeah, so it was pretty obvious from the beginning that I think it was the, the like, yes. clear, like, claws and stuff that were under her, <laughs> the skin of her it belly. Was squirming around. Yeah, I was like, that's, points. that's not a real baby. But uh, one thing this movie had going for it, I think, is there were a lot of really, I wrote, good ridiculous lines like the dialogue was just there were a lot of actually good jokes and there were a lot of just like over the top 
but not I don't know how to describe it. It's not like a not like an action movie where everything is so ridiculous, but just these people are saying witty things basically. Witty, right, like they were they were ridiculous kind of in a good way. Yeah. So one of my questions that I wrote down was, did the dialogue in this movie work for you? Like did it feel like they were real people talking to each other? No. It didn't feel real, but it was fun. They said good things. Like, um, they'd have the witty back-and-forth banter, which it didn't seem realistic to me. It just... But it was funny and entertaining. But then on top of that, the story itself, like, when they had to do exposition and stuff, it's like, oh, come on. this It, it just dove right into a sci-fi original movie where they're like... And then there's this experiment, and I'm an intern, and my secret plan is these three drugs (laughs) together are going to kill this thing. Right. The one intern who happens to have been plotting against the whole experiment is the only medical professional still alive in the whole building. He's not just the one intern. Well, I'm the best goddamn intern in this room, so how about that? (laughs) Yes, he is. Now, see, I liked the dialogue. I yeah, thought, I did too. I thought it felt kind of realistic in the sense that it didn't always feel appropriate to the situation. Like, yeah. it wasn't always appropriately somber or scared or whatever because... That's what people do. Yeah, they, they were just being more like people. Now, there was one point which was supposed to be like the turning point of the movie. So the guy, Henry, is having these flashbacks of how all the other people died, right? Yeah. And he has this flashback to how Ellie, the main character, the pregnant girl, dies. And he hears, or, you know, he's telling her about how her son doesn't hate her for dying as an O, you know, as he OD'd. And so we get this flashback of her, you know, after she's asked for help, she's laying on the sidewalk, her son comes back, lays down on the sidewalk next to her, and they have this moment, right? Yeah. I thought that was the cheesiest moment in the whole movie. Are you sure? Because I have a cheesier moment. Okay, it was the second cheesiest moment in the whole movie. Okay. But it was, I was really disappointed because there were so many times where the dialogue was poignant and mm-hmm. and did work to get across emotion. When um, Henry and Ellie are sitting in the little chapel area and he's about to do this, like, cesarean on her to get this yeah. demon baby out of her. <laughs> And they have this kind of really touching moment where they both admit to some vulnerability and, you know, the truth of their lives, which were not great. Like, they weren't super honorable people. So then to have the dialogue between Ellie and her son be just so terrible when they didn't even need it because... There was a moment way early on. Remember when they're in the kitchen and she's kind of yelling at her son? Yeah. And he's making all these mistakes. And as he leaves... Oh my gosh, he was horrible. (laughs) My note was, Hunter sucks. (laughs) He broke his plate. He knocked stuff over. He lost his phone. He couldn't hold still. (laughs) No, but... (laughs) I think he was just being a normal kid, right? Yeah, I don't like kids. Yes, established. He was just being a normal kid, and she, being a junkie, was having a hard time yeah, dealing with it, a, right? Yeah, and that's a good dynamic. I like that. But as he leaves, like, there's a burner right. on the stove that's not lit. It's just, like, gas is coming out of it, right? And yeah. he sees it and turns it off. And he makes not one tiny little big deal out of it. Like, yeah, he, just he just does it, it and walks out. That right there was all I needed to see to know that the dynamic that we were seeing was not the actual dynamic of this family and that this kid adored his mother and was taking care of her. Yeah, that was good. And so then they went, then spent like five or ten minutes having this really terrible dialogue where they said to each other, 
I'll take care of you. And look, uh-huh. look, look. I'm like, yeah. show, don't tell. And you already did it. So why are you telling it? <laughs> but it, it was also good, though, to have that scene. Could have been done differently. But to have Henry be able to say to her, what you didn't realize is that he doesn't think of you as a junkie. He cares about you. Right. Like, right. that was an important thing. I Yeah, I don't know how they could have... You're right. And I don't know how they could have done it differently. But I would have rather have seen, like, Henry... And he couldn't because this wasn't his power. But, <laughs> you know, if he had flashed back to moments... More moments where the kid was doing things to take care of his mother. And then she realized, like, oh... Yeah. With her new dead person, no longer dead perspective. <laughs> Another one of my questions is about developing rules within a story universe you know like when you create the universe that contains your story and you you know lots of times it follows the same old rules we know in our universe (laughs) but then you know there are different rules right yeah and they made up their own little mythology here sure so how what was your take on on how well they did that like how well they established the rules of their universe and then were consistent with them (laughs) It's one of those movies, there's a whole world of this this kind of movie where they've invented a mythology, but they didn't care enough to really flesh it out and figure out the implications. So they're basically throwing jello-covered spaghetti at the wall and seeing <gasps> what sticks. They're, so they're like, it's this very vague, it's all vague notions. It's this mm-hmm. vague idea of somehow the women come back from the dead pregnant and I guess that's where these monsters came from. They must have delivered them and they grew up. I'm not sure because we don't know where the fully grown monsters came from. Mm, Yeah. But I think that's it because the monsters normally could not be killed. So that must be it. But they did that. So all the women come back pregnant and apparently they only resurrected one man. I don't know why after multiple women that they hadn't thought, gee, wonder what happens with the guy. But, you know, he comes back... And then he mumbles some mumbo-jumbo about how the monsters are reaching into our world through the pregnancy, and I'm reaching into theirs with these visions. Right, that's one of the lines that I wrote down where he suddenly goes, I complete the circle, don't I? And I'm like, what circle? (laughs) What are you talking about? I'm glad he elaborated, because that didn't make sense by itself. Right, right. But there was, yeah, it was like a leap of logic that happened that wasn't, the audience couldn't follow it. No, it was the writers going, this is what we're trying to do here. Right. And the thing is, he doesn't, because what he's seeing isn't their world. It isn't the world of death. It's our world at the moment these people died. So And it became very clear that he wasn't, like, it wasn't a power or anything, really. I mean, it was, but really it was him avoiding remembering his own death. Yeah. Which again, like, okay, I like that like as a as a mechanic of the story, mm-hmm. but it didn't really fit with what they were saying it was doing. So I think that's that's my take on it, is that it's not it's just vague ideas that they're kind of toying with and it really doesn't work. Is that what you're thinking or you have your own I no, I I I agree. I, I really struggled with this movie and how poorly they had developed the rules of their universe. Like, it makes it hard to follow the story when you start, you know, because we have to, as the audience, we have to kind of make guesses based on things that are shown to us, right? Like, I see the kid 
turn off the stove and I'm like, oh, that tells me something. I'm making inferences. Every time I would make an inference about something in this movie, then later something would come along that was like, oh no, there's this other, this really means something completely different. And that's frustrating to me as a consumer of stories. I don't like being made to feel like I don't understand the story because they're not explaining the story properly. (laughs) Oh, like 11 minutes. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) This was an art film. It was. And, you know, I feel like lots of times that, like, artsy vibe comes Mm -hmm. hand in hand with, we're not really going to tell you what's going on because you couldn't understand it anyway. Yeah, it's it's beyond you. Um, I felt like there, I can't think of any specific examples, but I felt like the monsters themselves, like the, the rules about them weren't super consistent. Like, at one point, she has to shine the whole, like, hospital, like, like, surgical, huge lamp at them to get them to go away. And then other times, they have, like, these flickering flashlight, you know, pen lights and candles. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, it didn't feel like there was any kind of consistency. That was a frustration for me for the whole movie. The monsters, just to be clear, don't like light. So they're only in the dark. Right. They're hurt by light. Yeah, but not killed. Can't kill them Because they heal very quickly. Yeah. So light bothers them. So a lot of the movie kind of takes place in the dark because, of course, there's various reasons why the lights have to go out and they're in trouble and stuff. Mm -hmm. None of the scenes were ever dark. (laughs) It was so light. It was was annoying. It's like in Levenger tapes when they're like, I don't see any lights. Like, (laughs) what about the huge spotlights that are clearly over this entire set? Yeah. It was kind of the same thing where they're like, well, we got to be able to see what's happening. Like, no, you don't. Because one of the most tense scenes was when she had to reset the lighting system. And she said, you know, you're going to be in the dark for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And it would have been really great if that next 30 seconds was pitch black and we saw nothing. We just had noises or noises and their flashlights moving around. Right. But... No, it was super bright. You could see everything. And then suddenly a monster's face popped up out of the blue, which didn't make any sense at all. It just happened. Because we would have seen it coming. (laughs) Yeah. So that was really frustrating for me. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Did you have a personal connection to this movie? I didn't think about this. I did have a cinematic connection to this movie. Yes. Which is that this movie reminded me very strongly of a movie we, re- we reviewed a few years ago, or maybe last year, I don't know, Shadow Puppets, starring James Marsters. It's where a bunch of people wake up in a facility underground, right. and they've and, all lost their memories. And they don't know who they are, and mm-hmm. they're, yeah. It's a really, really similar movie. I mean, it's not a, I think it was even about things coming back from death, but they were shadows instead of Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but it definitely had similar elements. Yeah, because you know what? There was like a coffin that one of the characters ended up getting in, but it was somehow like it was a special coffin that had been used for something like that for like, I don't know, turning people into shadows. I don't remember what happened. Yes, because that was the year that I did the... The drawing That I was drawing a picture to go along with each one, and I drew the coffin as the picture for that movie. So uh, it was just really similar to that. And I know that was a cheesy movie. So Uh this was a pretty cheesy movie. Yeah, that's for sure. My connection was also uh, a cinematic connection. Not Uh so much a specific one, but kind of in general. The very dramatic scene of the intern, whose name I did not catch at any Um, point. I didn't either. Um, So the intern is 
you know, they're all trying to escape this room. There's a monster in the room. And the intern is slowly <laughs> yes. fumbling around trying I to pick know. up these vials, right? So slowly. So slowly. I made a note of that. He finally gets them. He stands up. And like almost in a <laughs> celebrate, like almost like raises his hands and does this yeah. pause. I got him. Pose, and then the monster's hand comes shooting through his body and out of his chest. Right. Yep. To me, that reminded me of one of my favorite elements of movies like this, the bus bus. He got bus bust by a hand. He got bus bust by hand. So yeah, there's those moments in movies where you know something terrible is about to, you know, somebody in a moment of celebration or joy or relief takes a step back into the street. Facing not the street. No, facing the camera, <laughs> very distracted. They step back into the street and then bam, immediately are kissed by a bus. Yes. Hence the bus bus. They are bus bust. This very much felt like that. Like he was he was so celebratory celebratory that he completely forgot that there was a, you know, fatal danger right behind yeah, him in the he, room. He knew it was like right behind him. Right. That was Real, real dumb. And it was done in such a way that they really were hoping that the audience would also forget that this thing was in the room <laughs> yeah, so that it would be a surprise. They made it take so long to pick up the items. You're like, well, I, I don't know. I, what was this movie about again? Because <laughs> that's the element of, you know, that's the real secret to the bus bus is yeah. that you know it's going to happen, but also it's coming from off screen and you have no reason to know that there's a bus there other than you've seen it happen so often that yeah. there's always a bus there. There's a good video on YouTube that's literally just a compilation of these scenes. It's like 10 minutes long, <laughs> and it's just continuous for all 10 minutes. They're maybe 15 seconds long each. That's a lot of bus busing. That is a lot. It's a, it's a serious trope. Yeah. And the thing is, I both love it and hate it because it's so tropey and it's so stupid that it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. But it also makes me jump almost every time. Yeah, and I can see how this is exactly the same mm-hmm. scene. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, they're like, how can we get a bus into this hospital? I don't know. We'll just use I a know. hand. We'll just shove this hand <laughs> right through his chest. Well, we talked about the dialogue being wacky fun. Uh, do you have a favorite line from this movie? I do. Early on in the movie, in another room, they find the intern and the priest. Who we haven't mentioned the priest yet, but yeah. we find the intern Ugh. and the priest in this room together. And the intern um, is clearly has been attacked, right? He's yeah. He has lost his hand to an attack by the monsters. So they walk in, and the intern asks, Are you a doctor? I'm Henry. I don't need f***ing Henry. Yeah, that's a good one. There, there are just a lot of little ones like that, or not even little. One of my favorites is kind of a long back and forth. I'll see what parts of it I can share with the audience but you know what they say sometimes you have to move two steps back and move one step forward oh they say that do they you have a poster at home that says if you're running away from killer monsters move two steps back yes that was awesome and she's absolutely right that rule should not apply when there are deadly monsters around oh but that intern when they pick up that intern and he's missing a hand they're like well we gotta fix that and that's when we get into the use of the spatula They find a gas stove, they fire up the grill. Now, here's the thing with cauterizing. I mean, my experience, which is the experience of watching movies, sure. what you do is you put your hand into fire. Right. You want to blister <laughs> the the 
damaged skin. Yeah. Is my. But instead, yeah. in this movie, without waiting it for pre- to preheat, by the way, they oh, sure. they fire up the grill and they smash his hand, his his raw stump. bones, his yeah. stump down onto the grill. Right. Which is they wanted yikes. to get those those really good oh, grill lines. Yeah, you gotta get grill marks. You got it. When That's you, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then the fun part is it gets stuck. And they have to scrape it off with a spatula, which is both horrible and I'm pretty sure it completely undoes any cauterizing you're doing. It's right? just going to cut right open. Given your your use of the phrase, the fun part was, <laughs> I also have to point out to our, our adoring listeners that while we were watching that scene, you said, I bet it smells good, though. <laughs> yeah, well, it probably did. It smells like burgers. Sure. Why not? Sure. Some some kind of tasty grilled meat. <laughs> Long pork. So that was one of the gorier moments in the movie. Yeah. The other part that stands out to me as gory. Well, okay. So first of all, they give her a cesarean. Like they give her some yeah, drugs. Yeah, pretty gross. And then they just cut her open to get this baby out of it, which I get. Like it was the better option to letting the monster devour her from the inside which i assume is what was going to happen but then afterwards like monster baby comes out it dissolves into a puddle of goo they defeat this other or they sort of pseudo defeat this other monster that's making a ruckus during the same time and then they just trim off the umbilical cord at her the the incision on her stomach and stitch her all up yeah she was fine and all i could think was this scene and, and essentially this whole movie, then, was made by a whole lot of people who have no idea what pregnancy is or what birth is or what it entails. Well, I kind of feel like they didn't know much about um, medicine, about <laughs> medical right. activities. Because also, the guy who got his hand chopped off, he was doing pretty good like 10 minutes later he for was, the rest of the yeah. movie. He's all, he's good. He was he was ready to do a cesarean, <laughs> one-handed. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just I couldn't stop like like literally my brain was screaming the placenta. You have to take out the placenta. Like you can't leave all that other stuff in there. This woman is going to die. <laughs> well, to be fair, it was an alien baby, so I yeah. I it really I I struggled with it. I yeah. Did. What I struggled with, I'm going to get into my big issue with this entire movie. It's basically like I have like 10 different notes that all touch on this same thing. Okay. Because it was prevalent for the whole movie, which is these monsters, they're super dangerous. Like, you know, he lost his hand from one just biting once. And then later he lost his middle of his chest from one just pushing his hand through him and we were told that the the lights went out for 10 minutes and they yeah they killed killed all but five people yeah like everyone was dead so they're extremely dangerous but in practice throughout the entire movie there's so many angles at which this bothers me the people were way too calm about the monsters Mm -hmm. The monsters were way not dangerous. Right. It was like your average zombie movie with really slow-moving zombies 
feels a lot more tense and dangerous than this. Like like the people in a zombie movie, they're trapped in their room, they they know they're safe, barricaded in, but they realize they need to go get some antibiotics. So they send someone out. That is a hugely tense moment. That poor person has to go out there and carefully make their way out and it's real scary and difficult. There's an entire TV series about it. <laughs> <laughs> but in this movie, they did the same thing. We got to get some drugs for this cesarean. Okay, let's go. And they just waltz out there. They're just going along, going through these monster-filled hallways and just They going weren't even where hurrying. They, no. they went in and they totally got sidetracked by, oh, maybe we can reprogram these cards. And yeah. like, not at all concerned about A Ellie dying in the other room or anything. And it just, it killed the tension. Like... The big, I guess the centerpiece of the movie is the cesarean scene when a monster gets into the room where the cesarean is being performed. It's running around. It's basically knocking stuff down. It's like a cat got in the room and is jumping on things and just right. going nuts. The most dangerous part about it was it kept knocking the big tables full of candles over. Yeah, it could have started a fire. It didn't, but that's okay. That They were so unconcerned. They're like, let's just keep focusing on this. And a couple of them weren't involved in the cesarean and they were sort of watching out for the monster, but that's it. They weren't, right. like, freaking out or anything. Well, I mean, Marion went after it and, like, sliced yeah. and diced it, but... Yeah. But yeah. And again, she, like you said, they were so dangerous, but she was able to take it out fairly easily. I put down, it is really easy to kill these unkillable monsters. And then later, when she's trying to get to the, you know, reset the fuse box. I couldn't believe that, yeah. She's surrounded by like six of them, and she holds them off, even though she's being a total doofus, and... Uh Like, has her back to them for part of the time, and, you know, is all focused on the keys. Yeah. And for me, it felt like terrible, terrible editing. I think Mm. they could have taken the footage they shot and made it dramatic and exciting, and they didn't. They made it feel really laid back, which was a huge failure. So that makes me think about how I think a lot of horror filmmakers rely too strongly on the jump scare. Yeah. And on the, we need to shove it right in their face to make them scared. Like, the only times we ever saw these monsters were when they were, like, suddenly right there. <laughs> and the most tense parts for me were when the rooms were darker. And there Damn. weren't, <laughs> right, like, slightly dusky. <laughs> and there weren't any monsters in the room yet, but they kept talking about how, like, oh, they have us trapped in this hallway. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And they kept kind of scanning the hallway. At yeah, any point. Move in the corners. Yes, like, have have something sort of off in the distance where you're like not entirely sure you're seeing what you're seeing that's the scariness do that and then give us the jump scare you can't just go from there's nothing there there's nothing there there's nothing there oh my god there it is yeah it just it didn't work for me on that level at all again it was like i was reading a book i had to go with the Mm -hmm. story as they Mm -hmm. were describing it but not actually Mm -hmm. watching it they need to take some advice from the uh, paranormal activity people because they did a good yeah. job of having things show up in corners or mm-hmm. in reflections or whatever. So yeah, they... that's always fun. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. So speaking of how really dangerous these monsters <laughs> theoretically are, yeah, can we talk about the very, very end of the movie? We can. Okay. So the priest who... Oh, oh, okay. First of all, sidetrack, while they were in the room trying to reset the cards and she's talking about how she needs one of these 
level A access cards, and uh -huh. oh my god, only five people in the whole facility had level A access <laughs> cards, and the priest is just sitting there nodding along with her. I wrote down, prediction, the priest for sure has a level A <laughs> access card. And he did, which he used to open well, the door. But he did have a handful of cards, so I feel like those were the cards that he was having with her that they were working on resetting, so it could be that it wasn't his. But yes, That's it fine, be. and I it have no be. proof that you're wrong, except that this priest guy was a total skis bag. He was. And I, in my canon, in my head, he was holding on to that card the whole time, yeah, and he knew it. Yeah, that was his card. Because he used it to open the door. Yeah. And then busted the key lock thing so that they couldn't relock the door. So now they have an underground bunker Filled full of blood-seeking monsters. Blood hunters, you could say. The titular monsters. <laughs> and the only door to the whole facility is now wide open. Which is, by the way, a fire hazard. You need I doors. had that same thought. I totally did. I was like, no, there are emergency exits <laughs> somewhere in this. Yeah. Anyway, only door. They've said it multiple times. Only door is wide open and is unclosable. And she thinks that she's saving the whole world by putting her body in the doorway. Yeah. Do you think that they actually stopped the monsters from getting out into the world with that solution? For anybody who didn't watch the movie, the prop, the point is that her blood is lethal to the monsters for some reason. Sure. Which we're, I want to discuss that. Okay. So the theory is they will try to eat her and die. I had so many problems with what they did there. Henry could have just smacked his hand on her bloody mess and started slapping monsters because they clearly dissolve immediately. immediately. Mm -hmm. So he could have just gone in there and just torn them all up and done a great job you know, while staying in the light for safety reasons. Sure. And other things like that, like this, I'm just going to lay down and let them eat me, is the least efficient use of her deadly blood. She, to be fair, had been pregnant before and probably was very aware that the fact that that placenta had been <laughs> tied up inside her was going to kill her. <laughs> I'm sure she knew that. But they could have still used her, her last time more efficiently. They could have. Like, really, it was a very <laughs> passive way of ending the movie. Like, she's just, I'm just going to lay here and trust that each and every monster <laughs> who comes through is going to have to taste of my blood before it goes past. Yeah. And I fully believe Ooh. that eventually she's all eaten up. There's still monsters coming out. They wander out into the world. Her sacrifice is all for naught. Yeah. And um, the other side of that is Henry. We alluded to this earlier. The cheesiest moment in the entire movie oh, yes. has a romantic, touching moment. Of, as the sun sets the behind sun them setting. over the ocean. Yes. Which... Totally reminded me of Westworld, the romantic touching moment in Westworld that <laughs> turned out to be fake. That was cool. He has this romantic moment, and it's all about, I'm going to do something good for once. I'm going to stay here and help you. But she didn't need any help. She was just going to lay there and get eaten. So he should have just run. Like, there was no nothing he was accomplishing. Because at least then there would have been somebody out in the world who knew what was happening yeah. when the monsters who didn't stop to taste her got out. Yeah. I still feel like they could have tried stacking up bookcases or anything to block this one hallway. Something. Yeah. Although, um, another of my notes is you can't build an underground facility without a bunch of air shafts leading out. And we knew these guys were in the vents, so come yeah. on. They're yeah. out. 
It's it's very likely that Marion, who seemed to know everything, like at the <laughs> beginning, she's all, "I hardly, I'm just a programmer. I just programmed what they told me to." And by the yeah. end, she's able to tell them exactly how many exits <laughs> there are, and how many this, and how many and, that. Yeah, and, it's got a boiler for right. Eating. She knows how the boiler <laughs> works, and this and that, and the other thing. And I don't know. She she clearly had more knowledge than she let on at the beginning. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to the monsters for looking like slea stacks from Land of the Lost. <laughs> I'm just gonna do that for you. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> and this is completely unrelated to what I just said. When they went out, when they suited up for a big final showdown to go get with the monsters to protect themselves, they duct tape scissors to their arms. Well, one of them <laughs> duct taped scissors. The other one duct taped a steak knife. That's better than scissors, but it's still <laughs> duct tape to your arm. How are you going to get that? But they had this montage where they were uh-huh. like ripping tape and, you know, and then they walk out and I'm like, wait, there's <laughs> one thing taped to each of you? Like yeah. that wasn't even a montage. That was actually like that was the whole real thing. time. <laughs> they just have sharp things on their arms. And I think when she was being surrounded by the guys, she did pull out her scissors or steak knife. And fight them with it, so that's good. But I don't think she could have because it was duct taped to her arm. Duct taped, yeah, yeah. I had the same thought. I was like, oh, that's no, that's not, that's not gonna work. Do you think the way you think it is? Oh, and I wanted to get into Soli's theory of oxy. Okay, so like we said, the um, Ellie's blood is what kills the monsters. Everyone in the movie seems to assume that it's because of this combination, this magical combination that the intern just happened to have. Yeah prepared right it was it was his theory which she didn't want to hear about right right no don't tell me anything about your theory just stab me full of weird drugs i've never heard of yeah so so they were all thinking you know it's this combination of drugs and that the the intern was correct but that girl was popping oxy through the whole movie like like the whole movie and it was, you know, it was tied into the fact that she was an addict and, you know, that was yeah. like her coping mechanism, which made sense. But the very first person that she meets after she wakes up is a doctor who's been eviscerated yeah. and he's asking for oxy. I don't know. A medical professional would probably know that oxy wasn't going to deal with the pain that he was experiencing. <laughs> so it seemed odd to me that that's what he was asking for, right? And she very nobly refuses to give it to him until he gives her the access code, which that is noble tells us something about her. But I had a theory that it was actually the oxy in her blood that was affecting the aliens, and I like that theory because in the sequel that is inevitably going to happen, (laughs) because these monsters definitely got out into the world yeah that gives them a weapon to use yeah a super effective one i mean that there's lots of oxy out in the world you can right. just take some and you're good right or you know i don't know create some kind of holy water out of it and, yeah. you know oh that would be a good turnaround on the priest oh there's so much we haven't talked about we haven't talked about the characters hardly at all we hardly mentioned the priest but i feel like we have to move on to our ratings I, yeah i think we've gone on too long sorry about that everybody ratings. clearly from our discussion there were a lot of things about this movie that kind of rubbed me the wrong way or kind of annoyed me yeah but i feel like a lot of that is just in in analyzing it i noticed these things right in actually watching it it was kind of fun to watch Mm -hmm. i don't think the dialogue was fun for me 
Yeah, I liked the way they interacted. I don't think I'd really necessarily feel the need to watch it again. No. Um, um, not like Charlie Charlie, but it was definitely entertaining. I would recommend it to somebody who likes scary movies. I think I'm going to go middle of the road and give it three conveniently smashed vials out of five. Oh, wow. On our patented rating system. Yes. I have pretty much all the same thoughts you have expressed about this movie. It was alright, it was enjoyable to a degree. I don't know if I go so far as to recommend that anyone else watch it. It's kind of just for us to watch. (laughs) Now see, I was thinking the opposite. Like, there are so many things we didn't get to talk Um, about that I think would be entertaining that I sort of want to say, if you haven't watched this movie and you're listening to this, go watch it because there's even more... Even more goodness. Goodness? Some, oh, well, some is even goodness, more mediocreness. Some is badness. <laughs> so for me, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go middle of the road just like you, Ugh. but I'm going to go to my middle of the road and give it 2.5 conveniently smashed vials out of 5 on our patented rating system. <laughs> so it's a little not not quite as high as right. yours, but uh, yeah, I think I think it was all right. But it is, it's a low budget, cheesy sci-fi channel movie. Is, yeah. I mean, I don't know that it's really a sci-fi channel movie. That's just a, a type of movie. Right, me. right. All right, well, I guess we'll catch you on the... On the flippity-floppity. Dude, you started this. I didn't want it to continue. <laughs> One step forward, you're still one step back.